Well, welcome again to Door Creek. And I can't believe you guys, this week, it's going to be a year. We're marking a year in a pandemic. Uh, 52 weeks. Here's, here are the stats from Johns Hopkins. Over 115 million cases with 2.564 million deaths. That's about 7,000 deaths a day in the last year tied to COVID. And so it's been a year like no other year. And for some of us, the hardest year of our lives. We, we've lost loved ones. We've lost jobs. We've lost self-control, if we're honest. Falling back into some bad habits. We've dealt with our own mortality and we've reacquainted with the fear of death like never before. Because seemingly, death has been everywhere with this pandemic. But more than that, we have caught up with... Um, God's delays, because it seems like our lives have been on pause. When are we going to get back to it? When are we going to get back to normal? Whatever normal is going to be. And with the delays, there's been these disappointments, and they've mounted, and it's discouraging. And some of us want to throw in the towel on God, and there's some bitterness that's mixed in. And so you take the fear of death and God's delays and disappointments, and it's a, it's a big deal, but it's not a new deal. It's the stuff that was going on 2,000 years ago back in a town called Bethany up on the hill above the Mount of Olives in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus' friends were going through a big-time crisis. Grab your Bibles. We're in John chapter 11 as we pick up with the story of, of the dead man who's going to be walking, Lazarus. Hey, just a reminder... In our online bulletin, doorcreek.info, you can get the text that we're going to be working through. You can get the message notes that'll help you follow along. And then there's the homework there as well. If you want to just go deeper as an individual, as a couple, as a family, or if you're part of a life group, that's how you prepare for a great discussion going forward. So we're in John chapter 11, and we're going to divide the chapter kind of in two parts. The first 16 verses, when God disappoints right? And the second half from 17 to 44, we're ending today. Uh, no, first, first section is actually when God delays, sorry. Second section is when God disappoints, 17 through 44. All right, verse 1, when God delays. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, we're not expecting that. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews, the religious leaders, there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light, the sun. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. 
Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, which means the twin, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him, speaking of Jesus. So when God delays. Now, notice what John's doing here as he gives us the final miracle, or as he calls him in his gospel, the final sign. It's the seventh one. It's the sign of signs. Seven is this number of perfection, of completion, where Jesus is going to raise a dead man from the tomb after four days. So this is it. And we catch up with that he's letting us know this happened in space-time history. This guy has a name. His name is Lazarus. He lived in a village called Bethany, just two miles east of Jerusalem. He's got sisters, Mary and Martha. And by the way, just so you know who I'm talking about, it's the Mary who poured the perfume over Jesus to anoint him and prepare his body for burial. The one who wiped his feet with her hair and the tears from her eyes. That one. He's making it really clear. Because John wants us to believe that Jesus is who he said he is. In fact, John's been really clear about his purpose all along. John chapter 20, verse 31. But these are written. John's talking about the things he's written in his gospel. But these are written that you may believe. See it? It's right here. That you may believe. Believe what? That Jesus is the Messiah, that is the promised Savior, that he's also the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So there's two things going on in his purpose for writing, that we would believe that Jesus is the promised Savior, the one the Old Testament has been talking about the whole time, pointing forward to. And, and that, the first 10 chapters has been making this case, going over and over again, that Jesus is talking about he's been sent from the above, that he keeps talking about his relationship to the Father, that he's come from heaven, that he is the Son of God, and that's why he's able to do the things he's doing. Now in chapter 11, going forward through the book, he's going to start unpacking what it means to have life in Christ, through faith in Christ. So that's where he's going, and that's where we're going today as we continue in chapter 11 to zero in on what it means to receive life that is full and abundant, eternal life that is an experience in today, today, not just in the future. So he tells us there's a purpose. There's a purpose for the miracle in verse 4. And his purpose is that in this delay that you're confused about, maybe just even reinterpreting who I am in light of this de delay, you might think I'm some cold, callous person that I wouldn't go right away. I just want you to know in the delays, there's a greater purpose. So trust the one who loves you, that there's a greater purpose. And he makes it clear in verse 4 and then again in verse 11 what the greater purpose is. The first thing he says is that God would be glorified that his glory would be revealed. And we go, well, what does that mean? Does that mean that like we just see this glow? That we see this brilliance? His glory is his goodness on display. 
all of his goodness on display through this miracle so that the son who does the miracle, even the son of God, would be glorified and seen to be who he is, the promised savior, the Messiah, the son of God who is sent from heaven. That's his purpose. And so he goes on and we read and we scratch our head. How, how is it that Jesus, who has this heart of affection and hears about this dire situation not that far away, a, a day's journey, easy day's journey, how is it that he delays? We, we just can't catch up. We're thinking Jesus could have certainly said, I, I'm going to drop everything right now, guys. We're changing our plans. We're going to Bethany because Lazarus needs me. Or he could have said, like he did in other situations, to the messengers, thanks for alerting me. I've just healed Lazarus, and you go back and you will find him seated upright and feasting with his sisters. He didn't do that. He delayed. And then after two days, he says it's time to go to Judea. Judea is the surrounding area of Jerusalem, including Bethany. He's going to Bethany. The disciples here, he's going back to the, to the environs of Jerusalem. They say, you don't want to do that, Jesus. Remember what just happened the last time you were there. Chapter 10, verse 39, when they grabbed him. And now we know what they were trying to do when they grabbed him. They were ready to stone him for blasphemy, for claiming to be God. You don't want to go back there. And then Jesus gives this enigmatic answer. He says, well, wait a minute. If, if you know, the, the day divides in half. You got 12 hours of daylight. You got 12 hours of darkness. And if you're traveling in daylight and the sun's providing light, you're safe. I'm the light of the world. You travel with me, it's all good. And then he fills him in on Lazarus, but he starts with the metaphor of sleep and waking him. They don't get it. They think literally he's been sleeping and it sounds like he's resting and recovering and so it's all good, to which Jesus says, no, actually what I meant is he's dead. And then we get another whopper when he says, and I'm glad for your sakes that he is dead because he gives us the second reason, the greater purpose is not only that God would be glorified, that Jesus would be glorified, but that we would believe. Verse 14, through the miracles, his disciples would believe. And Thomas says then, well, if you're going, we're going. And Jesus is going to his death, guys. So if he's going to his death, let's prepare to die. Yeah, prepare to die. So John has put this miracle in its historical context. The names, the places, the relationships, and gives us the twofold purpose. God's glory, the son glorified, and the disciples growing in faith. So here's what we want to remember, and here's the truth from this text about what we need to do when we face the delays that often will bring the discouragement, the disappointment, and the bitterness. But here, here's the truth right here. When God delays... Remember, he loves you. That, that's this repeated theme about the relationship that he has with Mary, with Martha, with Lazarus. He loves them and they love him. And, and so remember that he loves you and trust that he actually has a greater purpose in this delay, all for his glory to grow your faith. So hang in there, persevere in faith, 
and it's hard and it's messy and your feelings and your thoughts are reinterpreting his character. But you've got to remind yourself of this fundamental fact. He loves me. He loves me. Because we know the rest of this story and it doesn't end in John 11. John's gospel ends in chapter 21 after he was crucified and rose from the dead. He died for us. We know he loves us because he died for us. He came for us. He lived a perfect life so he could be the substitutionary sacrifice in our place to free us from the curse of sin and death. Remember that he loves you, that he has a greater purpose in the midst of your delay right now. And that's true of this pandemic. And we're all antsy. We're all antsy. We feel like God's maybe forgot about us, that he's got some heavenly business. No, he's in control. And he's working out his greater purposes for his glory and our good to grow our faith. And your faith and mine will never grow without resistance. And so it's the hard things, it's the delays that build the spiritual muscle of faith. So God's delays often lead to deep disappointments. And that's where we go next, when God disappoints, verse 17. On his arrival, that is to Bethany, Jesus found that Lazarus has already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day when Jesus comes back and makes all things new way off in the future. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will in effect never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. And Martha, who gets picked on so much. Remember Busybody Martha? Oh, listen to this beautiful profession, one of the great professions of faith in the Bible from this godly woman. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Wow. Well, when God disappoints, when he shows up four days too late, like he's been dead for four days. By the way, if we do the math, Jesus stayed for two when he heard the message. Then he traveled on the third day, which means by the time the messengers got to Jesus, he'd already been dead that day. So he wasn't callous. He, he couldn't heal him. He needed to raise him from the dead, which he's about to do. So the crowds gathered around Mary and Martha Martha hears that Jesus is coming up the road and she's a woman of action. Love Martha. So she's out of the house. Mary's still there. She's out of the house and she meets Jesus outside the edge of Bethany. And she and 
Mary will express their dashed hopes and disappointments with the exact same words according to John's gospel, verse 21, verse 32. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. That is both uh, uh, an expression of disappointment, but also of profound faith. And the if-onlys rise up in life. And I would say the if-onlys especially rise up in the wake of the death of a loved one. If only, if only, if only. But right, it's mingled with faith. Yeah, it's a great faith that Martha has. I believe that right now, four days later, whatever you pray to the Father for, he'll grant you that, that anything could happen, that even my brother could rise from the dead. And yet there is an unstated nagging question. Jesus, why didn't you come? Why didn't you come? We could be having a party right now instead of a funeral. Why didn't you come? Martha affirms in the resurrection at the last day. And when she affirms what Jesus says, that he is not just gives, not just procures, not just promises resurrection life, that he is. And he asks her, do you believe she affirms, not the statement, but his personhood, that you are the Messiah, that you're the Son of God sent from heaven, that you are God, and that you alone have authority over life and death. So verse 25 is easily, along with 26, the, the theme verse of chapter 11, when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And it's because of this that Paul would write to the church at Thessalonica that when we face death as believers in Christ, we do not mourn and grieve as those who have no hope. Let me say, let me say it again. We do mourn and grieve, but not as those who have no hope. Our hope is in Christ who raises the dead and he himself conquered death and the grave. Because Paul would write to the church and, and the church in Corinth when he said, to be absent from this body, which he calls a tent, is to be simultaneously present with the, with the Lord. And so for living by faith, verse 26, we never die. Because we go from this life in a nanosecond to the presence of the Lord. The resurrection and the life. So it's interesting as he encounters Martha with her discouragement and grief and sorrow and disappointment. That he, he reasons with her and makes these bold, beautiful, theological proclamations of who he is. It's like a completely different conversation when you fast forward and Martha runs back and gets Mary and Mary goes to the same spot where Martha was just outside of the village to have the same conversation. But it's not the same conversation. Verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who'd come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the whole Bible, packed with so much power. Jesus wept. He just entered in to all that was going on in the sorrow, in the mourning, deeply troubled, literally meaning he, he was angered, not over Mary or Martha. He was angered over death and the pain it was causing to his dear friends. It's not how it was supposed to be, this world. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him as he wept for him. But some of the crowd said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? So same, same circumstance, same family, but a completely different conversation. He's not reasoning. He's not making these grand theological statements about him being the resurrection and the life. He just enters into their pain and suffering and grief. He's deeply moved and troubled. He recognizes that death is the last enemy, as Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians 15, 26. And the disappointment expressed by Mary and, and Martha, Lord, if you'd only been here, our brother wouldn't have died, gets picked up by the crowd. Wow. Isn't this the guy who just healed the blind man, chapter 9, who's been blind from birth? I mean, couldn't have he healed him? Why, why are we in this situation with Jesus here now? And here's what we got to catch up with, and it's a profound truth from this text. When God disappoints, believe that the one who loves you is able to write a better story. And this takes great faith. Because the story doesn't even look like it could even be a mediocre story, let alone a good story. But a better story? A great story filled with joy and God's power and resurrection life? When God disappoints you, believe that the one who loves you is able to write and in fact writing that better story in your life. Verse 38 Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did not I tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, he's praying, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here and for us, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Wow. 
There's an old picture of what supposedly is the historic site of Lazarus' tomb up in Bethany. It goes back to the early 1900s. I think it's 1906. It's been four days. Martha is quick to tell Jesus, Jesus, you don't want to do what you're, you're asking. You don't want to move that stone because that body's been decomposing. I don't embalm that body and it's going to, it's going to smell. You don't want to do that. Now, it's significant that we're told that it's four days because in Jewish thinking, once a person had been dead for four days, there was absolutely no chance of that body being resuscitated. In other words, you might be in some kind of a coma and you might fool the crowd into thinking that you're dead, but after one, two, maybe three days even, you could come out of that and still be alive. But that never happened after four days. It's been four days. Jesus is in control. This miracle is not to be mistaken by some guy who just kind of got really sick and fell into some kind of coma, and now he's been resuscitated. He's dead. He's been gone. It's been four days. And so he cries out in a loud voice, praying to the Father that his disciples would believe what they are about to see has everything to do with who he is, that he is who he said he is, sent from heaven by the Father God himself. And he cries out, Lazarus, come out. I mean, can you imagine? We're like, we're, we're like waiting. He just said, come out, and we can hear. We can hear something in the tomb. And there's rustling. And the next thing is like, it's like a mummy because he's all wrapped up, it says, in cloth around his hands and his feet. And he can barely shuffle his way out. But he's alive and you can hear the gasps and the screams and the shouts of Mary and Martha and their friends as Lazarus, the dead man, is walking. And Jesus says, take off his grave clothes and let him go. Wow. It's good to remember this truth. Jesus, Jesus doesn't do funerals. Isn't that great? He does resurrections. And he wants to do your resurrection, friend. So let me ask you a couple questions as we bring it home. I just know someone's listening to me today who uh, maybe got some test results. Maybe it's just COVID and it's been freaking you out since the very beginning. You just got this dread that you're going to die. You dream about it. You've, you're afraid about it. It's just this cloud that seemingly follows you all around. John is telling us in his gospel that Jesus is the answer to our greatest problem, the one that we all will face, and that is death. He's bigger than death. He is the resurrection and the life, and he can call out not only Lazarus, but at the end, all who trust in him. So that even if we believe in the one who is a resurrection and life, though we die, yet shall we live. 
in a moment we go from this world to the next, from dead to in his presence. I wonder if anybody is in need of resurrection life. That's not about life insurance. That's about today's experience, the fullness of life that Jesus offers in John chapter 10 when he says, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. Put your faith in Christ. Put your trust in him, the one who raised the dead, the one who conquered death, the one who said, one day I am gonna set up my new heaven on earth in a place where there'll be no more sorrow or sickness or death, trust him. I want to know if anyone needs to get rid of their grave clothes. I want to know if anybody needs deliverance. You need help taking them off. I love that Jesus instructed the others. He, the text doesn't say, so Jesus went up and he took off the grave clothes. He said to the crowd around Mary and Martha and their friends, take off his grave clothes and let him go. What a beautiful picture of the role of the church. What a beautiful, sad picture of what's happened to some of us this past pandemic year where we've gone back to the closet, so to speak, and put on the old clothes of our old lives before Christ and we're walking around and tripping in grave clothes. And when the Bible talks about those things, it starts describing things like anger, in an unforgiving spirit and slander and greed and sensuality and hatred and lying and stealing, to name a few. And I love what Paul says at the church at Ephesus. He says, almost like it's a metaphor of putting off your clothing, taking off your clothes and putting on new clothes. He says, put off your old self. That's the grave clothes which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self, even Jesus Christ, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Oh, that we would be a church that doesn't point out, oh, look at, that, look at those grave clothes. We all got them, guys. Oh, that we'd be a church that come around people and say, hey, man, let me help you get rid of this stuff. It's weighing you down. It's tripping you up. You don't have to live like this. Let Jesus, let Jesus set you free. Do you need that today? What kind of grave clothes do you need to get rid of? Finally, the story isn't just about delays that bring disappointment. In the end, it's this story of God's power, of great joy, God's glory and goodness on display of growing faith. We're going to see that next week as people respond to this miracle. And so I, I want to ask you, if you're struggling with what you feel like right now is God's indifference to you, maybe callousness to you, as you find yourself in this huge delay. And I want to just encourage you to remember that he's got a greater purpose, the one who loves you. See, right now, when, when, we, when we come into these hard places, our thinking and our feelings will, will deceive us. They'll redefine God's character. And John's making it clear from beginning to end that God loves us. He loves you. 
You're not being punished if you find yourself in the midst of a delay right now. He loves you. He knows you by name. He knows right where you are and what you're going through. And you just got to trust that he's got a greater purpose. And right now, the hard that you're going through in the middle of this story is to grow your faith in a God who's going to sustain you now and bring you through to the other side. And for those of you that are dealing with disappointments, whether they come on the heels of those delays or just something else, disappointments in your marriage, disappointments with your kids, disappointments with yourself, disappointments at work, disappointments at school, disappointments with your declining health. Oh, that God would give you a vibrant, strong, growing faith in his love and his power to be writing right today a better story. Look, we already know the end of the story. And so here we are in the middle of the story and it's not making sense and there's all kinds of pain and heartache and it's been four days into this thing where Jesus hasn't shown up and our brother's dead. Oh, oh, that we would believe that he is able to write a better story. Not just at the end of the day, but now in our lives today, that he's writing it now. I might not know what it all is. I can't see around the corner, but I'm trusting he's writing a better story. Right now, I ask you to trust him, the one who loves you. In the midst of the delays and disappointments, the greater purposes he's doing and the better story that he's writing. Let's pray. So Father God, we bless you for this powerful story rooted in history that demonstrates your power, your grace, your mercy, your affection, your goodness. Lord Jesus, we glorify you, the one who is resurrection and life we acknowledge with Martha that you are the savior that you are the son of God sent from heaven to rescue us from death to give us life to set us free would you do that and as we're set free by your grace would you grant faith and grow faith that we would point others to you that they might find their hope in the midst of all that's hard in their lives today. And oh God, may your spirit move us to humbly love each other as we deal with the stuff, the grave clothes of our life. May we be a beautiful representation of your merciful, generous heart. We pray all this for your glory and for the good of the world. You've invited us to serve with you. In Christ's name we pray with joy and thanksgiving. Amen. And so how great to be able to come to the Lord's table and celebrate communion together. If you didn't know we're going to be doing that right now, you can just hit pause and uh, you can go ahead and just get some juice, a cracker, piece of bread, whatever. And let's remember the one who is the resurrection and the life but gave up his life for us. And so we remember that Jesus
the night before he was crucified, he took bread and he broke it. And he said to his followers, this bread is my body, symbolizing my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And then after supper, Jesus took the cup and he held it and he said, this cup is the new covenant. It's now sealed in my blood. This cup is for the forgiveness of sins, my life for your life. Drink this in remembrance of me. And the Apostle Paul said to the church at Corinth, as often as we eat this bread and drink from this cup, we're proclaiming Christ's death. Listen to what he says, until he comes. I love that. He's living. He's our living Savior because he's resurrection and life. And so may we find our wholeness in his brokenness. May we find life through the one who gave up his life so that we can trust in his love in the delays and the disappointments so that we can expect him writing that better story so that we could be part of his better story that's unfolding in this world today until he comes back when he makes all things new. And may we be a church that tells those in our church and those everywhere that we meet that you don't have to do life in grave clothes. You can have the new garb of forgiveness and grace and life of Christ and his spirit in us. Friends, be encouraged. He loves you. He's using the delays, the disappointments for good in your life. Believe that as you continue to walk with him. Thanks and have a great day.